Hey, Taiki, and welcome to all the new listeners, and welcome back to all our current listeners on the show. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Mandy Alexis in our guest interview of Women Who Dare Greatly. And Mandy shares her story how she was a functioning cocaine addict at the age of 16, started using drugs at the age 12 already. Drug abuse and drug addiction is a huge problem here in the United States and something that we do not talk openly about it enough. Mandy brings to us her story that will touch your heart and makes you think about what's going on with drug abuse and how maybe someone around you is dealing with a similar problem that you can help with Mandy's or through Mandy's story. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower empty nester moms over 50 to take back their health and strength to feel vibrant in their second half of life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of empty nester moms around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies, and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and reliable, so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring guests who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best in life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and I'm super excited to introduce our guest today. Her name is Mandy Alexis. Mandy was a functional cocaine addict for 16 years and is now clean for three and a half of those. Mandy started using weed for the first time at the age of 12. By 14 and 15, she was experimenting with mushrooms and acid. And by 16, ecstasy was added to the list of all those, including mixed in with alcohol. She is, has completely reinvented herself and is now a successful entrepreneur who recently moved to Nicaragua. Mandy wants to inspire and help motivate people to heal, grow, and live healthy and happy lives. She's a motivational speaker and a brand guru, guru of Mandy Alexis Motivation and Marketing. Welcome to the show, Mandy. Thank you for having me. Or should I say hola? Not hola. Yes. <laughs> so what was the biggest risk you ever took? The biggest risk? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess... Um, that's a, that's a hard one. I'm not sure. I think maybe really uh, going against the grain of what I had seen in, in, in my family in the sense of like the healing journey, right? Like um, I didn't have the, I guess the, the, the influences around me showing me like that it could be done. And I took 
that risk and chance of being the one to, to, to do it and find the way, like, you know, so like without having real guidance, I had support from my mom the entire way, but you know, like, um, will, will I be able to, to heal myself from all the wounds? Will I be able to work through the traumas? Like, will I have the support from the people that I need it from? Because no one in my family has done this yet. Like, you know, so yeah. That is a big risk taking it on by your, almost by yourself. So I know this was a a loaded question and I said, I'm just going to go for it. Let's see what she says. (laughs) (laughs) But that brings us to your family. You know, you started using drugs and, and I also want to add this, and I'm probably going to add this in in, in the intro intro of the podcast is we have a big opioid uh, crisis in the United States and cocaine is not an opioid, but it ties in, at least in my mind, into that whole umbrella of addiction. And when I did a little bit of research, I found that getting, starting to use drugs, which weed is one of them, is at age 12 is not uncommon. But where I want to start with this is you grow up, describe your family, because I know that there's families out there who say, I had no idea my kids were using drugs. So how did that start? And what was what what was the role that your family played? So start wherever you want to start in this whole journey. Yeah. So, I mean, when I can think about 12-year-old Mandy, um, it was, I remember like thinking like, oh, I just want to try it. I want to see what it feels like. Um, my friends had older siblings, they were doing it, you know? So it really did feel in that, in that moment, like an experimental thing, right? Like, oh, we're just going to experiment. Right. Um, my father was, is an alcoholic. Uh, he had been in and out of my life for years. Uh, by the time I was being introduced to weed. He was more in my life and did have like a house that we would go to every once in a while. And he would, he would let us smoke weed and like, let us drink and stuff. Right. So we, it was like pretty normalized in the sense that it was okay to do it. Right. Um, and so at that time, I really was like, Oh, I'm experimenting. I want to see what this feels. I want to blah, blah, blah. But then as I began my healing journey and let like really looking into, well, why was I wanting to do all these things? Like, why was I wanting to experiment at such a young age? Why was I drinking at 14? Like, you know, and it, it feels to me that it was more of like, of an escape, right? Like just trying to feel something different, trying to not deal with feelings that I may have been feeling with, right? Because you, you take these drugs and you, for the majority, well, for me, you're happy, right? Like, um, and you feel excitement and you feel like, Ooh, like, you know, just like out, out of this world type of thing. Right. And so looking back, I can see because based on the family that I did have, like with my dad or the relationship with my dad and what he brought to the table within his, with his alcoholism. And there was a lot of anger and verbal abuse, right? I could see that it was me trying to escape or try to deny what I was feeling and just like alter my reality. That's a good point that you're mentioning that there was uh, stress in the family, their dad being the alcoholic, 
you're protecting yourself from his emotions when he's drunk. And I'm sure they had times where he was feeling just hunky-dory when he was not drunk and things were mm-hmm. good. Um, and as you're going through this, do you have any brothers, sisters? Yes, I do. Um, so I have a big family, but with my, there's the, there's the main three of us that have the same mom and dad. And then I have quite a few siblings that my dad has given me from like different women. So, um, but there, it was mainly us three, like, so yeah. Yeah. And so when you started smoking weed and you're like, oh, this is great. Um, I'm escaping this. And, uh, you were drinking at that age as well. Correct. That, yeah. So alcohol started around 13, 14. So, yeah. 14. So this is when you started. Also, I'm looking back at our notes is when you started experimenting with mushroom and acid. Now, for those of you peeps who don't know what the heck we're talking about, Mandy, can you tell them what weed is, what mushrooms are and what acid is? Because not everybody is literate in the language of opioids or drugs. Yeah, so weed, like marijuana, um, I think that's a pretty common word that people would understand that one. And then with like mushrooms, it's a psychedelic as, as well as acid. So those are like like mind altering where you can have like hallucinations um, and you you feel just like in an in an in an altered state, like like um, very flyy and free and light. Um, Acid is a little more stronger because it's chemical and mushrooms are organic. So they're a little less um, intense and you can have variations of different highs depending on like how much you take and stuff. But, um, but yeah, so very much like, like an altering state with hallucinations and just feeling very, very in a new world, basically is how I could describe it. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you feel like you wanted something that was stronger or was it just a natural progression of your curiosity? Yeah, it was just basically like, well, what, what, Ooh, I liked the way this feels like, what does this feel like? Right. And so then like, um, so ecstasy or MDMA was the one that was added last. And so that one literally it's ecstasy, like because of what it makes you feel right. But with that drug, there is a crazy down, right? Because you are, you are boosting your serotonin, like, like a lot with this drug and you feel everything feels so good, but then you have a major crash and you feel very low. Just, I mean, alcohol does the same thing, but ecstasy is a little more intense um, in the sense of like the euphoric feeling that you get. Um, But yes. So, you know, you, you get this boost of this, like, of ecstasy that's why it's called that drug and it felt great you know like i remember the 80s ecstasy was big ecstasy was like you go out you go on a date and you definitely have some ecstasy um i remember that back in the 80s that was like the drug back then Mm. and now when you think about your age you have to get those drugs somehow how did you get your hands on them i mean they're not bought like now we can buy weed uh, or marijuana as a medical treatment, but um, so wheat is easy to come by. But what about the other drugs? You can't just go to the grocery store and say, "Hey, give me a couple of ecstasies." Or a yeah, so there's a few different ways. Some of us had older siblings who had connections and would help us get it, and then we had this place where like in Winnipeg, it was called the Circle, and it was literally like 
drug dealers hung out there. And if you, you could just go there and find what you needed. Right. So obviously that's, that's dangerous in its own because you don't know. I mean, you never really know what you're getting, but like you just, you know, you, there's a bunch of mixed um, things out there that could be more harmful than, you know, so, but, you know, we, we had our ways either we could go right there and they had tons of people standing around and it was just a known thing if you knew that world and like i mentioned the the older siblings who for a fee they were happy to supply uh us with um drugs so yeah how do you get the money um i think i used i was babysitting when i was younger and that like i by the time i was 12 i was already babysitting i had jobs like i worked at the Tim Hortons, like across our, like our street and stuff after school. So, yeah. So you're originally, and I forgot to mention that you're originally from Canada. Yes. Yeah. So this all happened back in the days in Canada. Now we're all back in Nicaragua. <laughs> yes. Very <laughs> <No>. different. <laughs> it is. So when your parents, you, we haven't talked much about your mom, but when we talked about your, what is your mom's role? What did your parents, I mean, so many questions. What did mm-hmm. your mom, now let me rephrase this. Okay. Did your dad stop you? No. Okay. Did your mom see this and said, wait a minute, there's something going on. I need to jump in. Where was she in all of this? Yeah. So like we, when we did these things, we were in our dad's care. Right. So like she, cause they didn't like, they were separated, divorced when I was just a little thing. So we would go to my dad's be, and I would know I'd be able to, to party. Right. And so he had a rule where he wouldn't buy us. He wouldn't buy us like the drugs or alcohol, but he said it'd be, he's, He's like, if you're doing it in the house, that's fine. And it was more around his theory was, we're going to do it anyways. He'd rather us be in a safe space than wandering the streets. So that's controversial on its own. I know this has been, a, I've had this conversation, like, was that the right thing to do? Is the wrong thing to do? She or you know what I mean? Like, but it is true. We would have done it anyway. So is it best for us to be inside a safe space in the house or wandering around the parks till two in the morning? You know what I mean? So it's that, I don't know. I don't know the right answer if that was the best situation or not, but we, yeah. So as, as experimental teenagers, you're going to find a way, even the ones that don't, aren't doing it necessarily to escape, but really just are wanting to experiment and, uh, aren't, you know, like they're going to find a way. Right. We've all, we've all been there. I'm sure most, you know, when I, when I think about this is like, uh, back in the days when I grew up in Germany, uh, teenagers, no alcohol. And at at some point I was alcohol curious. My dad always had a beer at dinner and I'm like, what does it taste like? And he's like, well, here, try some. So you get to try stuff. And they're like, well, if you, if you do drink any alcohol in that case, then you do it at home. Mm. Uh, never served I was like an Italian family it's like here's your glass of wine with dinner <laughs> and uh, but it was like you can have some but you don't get your own that was always the deal and I think that a lot of children in the U.S. is particularly this is where I live I don't know around the world if if that is in other countries the same is there's so many restrictions around the drugs and alcohol which is great but on the other hand it's also the way we're dealing with this situation oftentimes 
is it's forbidden. It's bad. It's we're punished. We're, you know, like you had your dad who said, okay, as long as you do it at home, we're cool, which I tend to go with. This is more like what I would agree with, but I know a lot of people listening to that saying, Heike, you're out of your freaking mind. Um, Yeah. But I mean, we were going to do it no matter what. And honestly, like it, it made sense to have a safe space to be in. At least we weren't, you know, going to get in trouble with outside forces. Right. Like he never bought it for us though. He he is like, he refused to do that. He was like, Nope, like I'm not, I won't partake in like getting you at your, but if you find it, yeah. Like, which he knew, like he remembered being a teenager too. Right. So yeah. So that was how it went. (laughs) So how did that affect your schooling? It didn't actually. I, not to toot my own horn, but I'm very intelligent. I, uh, I never, my grades were always a, A's, A pluses. Um, I didn't even need to go to class all the time because I, like, I caught on to things quite quickly. Um, I actually graduated with honors, um, for the last, for grade 12, I actually, I, I was so advanced that school came boring. So I just, I actually dropped out and did it correspondence so that I could just get it done. And yeah, so graduate with honors, like it didn't, it didn't affect, affect me at all. <laughs> you know, as a parent, you would look for, for like science and symptoms and things like that. Right. Um, no, so, and that's what I mean. Functioning in my life. Like I, I looked on the outside that like, you would never know, right. Even throughout my 16 years, like I was volunteering. I, I had a business. I, I did, I was going to school. I was taking like different courses, like all behind the scenes. I'm like this party girl, like, you know, so there was no signs in the sense of like, I can't pay my bills. Like she's failing out of this. Like she lost another job. Like, none of that. Right. So very much was uh, like functioning. And, but you know, that's still like the, the drug is destroying my brain and like how long everything. Right. And it just took many years for me to, to clue into how much it was affecting me in my outside world, even though it looked like I was succeeding. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that brings us to our overall topic, which is cocaine. Uh, what is cocaine and how can somebody use it or how is it available? So for people, again, I'm going back to people that may know somebody who've heard about it or don't know anything about it. So they have an idea too of what to do with today's episode. Yeah. So cocaine is an upper, it keeps you awake and alert. Um, most people like you snort it. Some people have like put it in cigarettes or rolled it with weed and they call that like cocoa puffs. So you can like smoke it that way as well. Um, but the main way is snorting it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes, um, like sometimes I, I would be, I do it so often, like do it so much story that I would be up for days, but still being able to like go to work and things like that. And, um, yeah, some, I know some of my friends too, like you wouldn't notice that they were like doing it. So it wasn't until like later in life that it became like this really big problem for, for me anyways, like it's always a problem. We shouldn't be doing cocaine. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I'm sure lots of listeners have seen shows where cocaine became like the, uh, 
drug to keep working, to stay awake, to bust mm-hmm. out overnighters while snorting cocaine, uh, partying yeah, all night. studying, right? Like it's because it keeps you alert and keeps you awake, but it's also eating your brain. So that that is something, you know, they don't show on TV that like uh, that that is happening. But um, yes, like it, it has that that uh, appeal because you can keep going. Right. Um, and it does, it, it makes you feel good. Right. You're like, ah, right. But it's destroying you like, um, for sure. Yeah. It is a, it's a chemical drug. So it's yeah. like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There was a show, um, not amphetamine. It's can't think about it, but mm-hmm. there's a very popular show where they cooked up their own. Drug. Oh, breaking bad. Breaking they made, bad. You made crystal meth, but yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And I was like, I know a lot, me, a lot of people have probably seen that. I was like, just picture this, what happened to the people in that show when they took that drug over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't think and you can't function and you become addicted, which is the key to all these drugs as we go down. When wheat is not in itself addictive, but as you keep going, you think they, it's, it's almost like harder, stronger drugs, mm-hmm. uh, drugs that give, give me better fulfillment. I think people can get addicted to weed, though, because they learn they 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 do it so much that like that's who they are now. Right. Like um, and they can they definitely can get anxieties and like feel off if they're not smoking it you know, like they, like they were, let's say. Right. And I also do know like that addiction, like is different for everyone, right? Like there people have an addiction gene in them and there's someone who could like smoke weed, like for six months and then just be done and be fine. But another person could smoke it for six months and try to quit and be, be very challenging. Right. So it's also different per person, like on how they, they they're affected by by addiction based on on all the things <laughs> you know true, so very yeah. true the chemicals mm-hmm. that are going on in, in your own brain too in your own body yeah now was there a catalyst that made you want to try coke so it's it's funny so i had actually said to myself i'm never going to do cocaine like i was like i'm not going to do it that's the one drug I'm not going to try. And then I was 19. So I was already a year into the bar and all my friends were doing it. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. And then it just was like, oh, everyone just looks like they're having so much fun. Like, I'll just try it this one time. And then I actually loved it, which is like horrible. Like, it's disgusting to say at the same time, but I did. I enjoyed it. I was like, wow, what is this? Like, it was just a burst, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then what happens is it's called chasing the dragon where you are always looking for that first zing, but like the more you do, you don't get that anymore. It, it changes within you, how you uh, receive the, the high. So th- like the first, the first line is usually the, is the best where you get that zing, but then you keep doing more trying to get that, that thing, but you're just adding on to your high and it can become like, just not good. Like people get paranoid or you, you don't go to bed. You just like, it's just, you're just yeah layering on and they call it chasing the dragon because you're trying to chase this initial high that you got from that very first line. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it can become very, very dangerous. Yep. Yep. And then again, it leads to potentially stronger drugs that give you a quicker high like heroin or, or other things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you think about that time and you said, man, I really loved it. This was great. But what else was going on? Was there a relationship or are you in a relationship? I mean, it's, you're 19 at this point and there must have been some boyfriends or girlfriends or. Yeah, I, I had relationships and basically it was just, you know, first like we're out of school, working full time as a server, the whole like night lights thing, right? Like, and I was making tons of money. And then it was, yeah, it was just like, it just became the lifestyle where like we'd go to work and we'd have a couple drinks at work and then we'd go to the bar and then you'd find an after party and then we'd all like fall asleep. Then we wake up, we shower, we do it again. Like it was just like, it just became the lifestyle. And it just, uh, I, I was always like, Oh, this is just for a bit, like, you know, and then, um, it wasn't just for a bit. And like I said, because I was still like progressing, like in society's standards, let's say, like, I was like, Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then basically uh, like, it just hit me that like five, like, cause I was having horrible relationships with men, um, obviously like feeling shitty at work, like I could still get my work done and no one would know and whatever, but like, I felt it. Right. And then also who I was being as a friend where like, I would cancel because I was like too strung out or like, you know, things like that. And it was like, I didn't like what was happening, like what I was attracting based on who I was and what, and who I was becoming based on what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, this needs to stop. If I'm ever going to have those, those relationships and that life, and then me being able to actually feel good with like, right. Like, cause I would do, I would be home by myself and I would get a bag just because I didn't want to feel how I was feeling without it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah. Now, what was the catalyst that got you to the point where you said, enough, I want to change my life. I want to quit now. Yeah. So I, there was a couple different stages. So the first one was I had just got out of like, um, uh, a really, a really bad relationship. And I was, that was like, okay, if I'm going to attract like the, the kind of love I want, then I'm going to stop. So I, that's when I really started really working on quitting. And then, so I had some things happen. I would go like a few months and then like I would cave in or whatever. So then actually I started dating another guy. And then the way he loved me, like he, it was like, he was so patient with my journey and like all the changes that was happening with it within me. And I was like, yes, like I want to be better. Like I had already decided I want to be better for me, but then it was like, I want to be better for him. And then he actually had a son and it was like, that was the, like at the moment where I like, it really was like, okay, do like, if I'm like, if me and him are going to be together, is this the type of stepmother I want to be? And it was like, absolutely not in no form whatsoever. So as soon as those two pieces clicked, it was like, I was done. I didn't touch it again because I was just like, just coming from, having an alcoholic father and knowing what that felt like and how that can be traumatizing and 
what that meant for the relationship between the, 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 the parents or the, the adults and like everything. I was like, I do not want this for his child or for him or for me or for my future children that I may be having like with him. So that was it. It was, that was, that was the factor, the child, which is for, yeah. So me and him aren't together anymore, but I truly believe that they serve their purpose and and for me to be able to continue down this path. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is a good uh, catalyst to think about yourself as a role model. Is this who I want to be based on what your dad was a role model? And you're looking back and you, I think as you get older, you also become more clarity and, and more power to take those steps and make your own decisions where nobody can tell you, no, Mandy, this is not what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do this. And you're like, no, I'm in charge now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you said, at one point you said, oh, I can't quit. I need to keep going. And then you met this guy and the kids and you're like, okay, I could, did you quit cold turkey? If so, what was that like? Or was there a process to it? And what was the process? Yeah. So. It's quite interesting how the universe really just lines stuff up for me. This divine timing thing—it's—it's it's beautiful. So, I had been in Calgary actually. So I'm from Manitoba, and I was in Alberta, and that is when I was like, "Nope, I'm done." That and I like my last time was there. I did it there. I was done. That's when the whole kid thing clicked in and stuff, whatever, right? And then. It just so happened that I had planned a trip for Costa Rica two weeks later. So I was leaving my familiar settings and I left. It was, I went for the whole summer. So I was gone for July and August. And that gave me my push because I was out of my environment. I was doing new things, making new friends. Um, and like I completely changed what like my whole like scenario of like where I was and like I said divine timing because I I didn't plan that and so but the universe helped me and gave me that that lined up like that so that I would be able to really focus on the tough the big the big chunk the first beginning where it was going to be my most challenging by just getting me out of there so that really skyrocketed my, um, my healing and like stepping away from that life. So when I returned, I was like, I was, it was wild because I was so different, but everything was still so the same there. Right. Like I like, so yeah, a lot of continuous changes. I had to find a new place to live. Um, And then even just like realizing who my friends actually were and like, what did Mandy actually like to do for fun? Because everything surrounded drinking and drugs. Like, you know, we go bowling, eventually we'd be doing cocaine in the bathroom, like, you know, like any kind of work function, like everything, right. Everything could lead up to that. So I had to discover who I was, um, at in you know my mid 30s like what do i like to do because all i knew i like to do was party like you know so there is a lot a lot to to figure out about myself but it's been fun <laughs> this is true what are the withdrawal sy- symptoms mm, okay so yeah i'm really wanting it <laughs> 
Well, yeah, like I felt really weird. I, like, I don't know, like, I felt, like there was times where my brain felt like it was on fire because um, your brain will rebuild itself. Um, so it did. It felt like it was on fire. Um, I felt like very agitated, obviously, very moody. Um, I like for me to like, so I, like, I also discovered I was how sensitive I am to energies. And so like, it was very intense for me in a sense, because if I think about it, since I was 12, I've been numbing myself, like not continuously, but, you know, for big chunks of time. And so for like discovering that I feel stuff, like a lot of stuff, like, so that was very wild and and challenging and a lot of confusion for me and stuff. Um, I was very, very like lucky in the sense that I had, my best friend was like so supportive and didn't turn her back on me for me being like wacky. Cause like, I, I didn't know what I was, what was going on sometimes. Right. Because it just was so much. Um, and then my mom was super supportive. And then the guy that I was with was super supportive and stuff. So obviously love is a huge help when it comes to healing anything and letting go of any kind of addiction and having that unconditional love where they see that like the transitional part isn't so pretty, right? Because it's not. And mm-hmm. um, it was painful in in many ways, like physically, emotionally, mentally, right? Like, and, but I, I wanted it and I knew it was going to be better once I got through this. So I fought through and just just did different, discovered different modalities to help ease pains, like meditation, learning about the addiction. I learned about it. I wanted to know what was happening to me, you know, taking, doing, taking time to do meditations. I started working out more regularly. Um, and you know, just learn, like learning about the the body and the brain and, and stuff, like just keeping myself very, um, focused on, getting like understanding what was happening to me and things. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I like that because it's, it's, I find it, or I can imagine it difficult. You go into Costa Rica and you're finally free of that, that tempting environment, let's call it that way. And then you come back and realizing that everything is still the same and how to deal with those continuous temptations, you know, where to get the drugs, you know, what to do. Um, and finding a way around or maybe through this whole mess so you can can live a healthier life that is you now, not the drugs in you. It's you and your ideas and all your help. So how important is this to set boundaries for you? Oh, it was very important. Like, that was basically, like, pretty much the first thing I had to do when I got back was tell people, like, like, do not like bring out drugs in front of me. Like if you want to go party and you want to go drink, like go do that. But if you want to see me, like, let's go for a walk. Let's go for ice cream. Like I actually had to like set firm boundaries in the sense of like what I did with my time too. Like I didn't go to any concerts. I didn't go to, you know, um, any late night thing. Like I was just letting anything that would be nighttime related that could, could possibly like, you know, tempt me, I guess. And then I just, I was very firm with friends and I just said like, it's, and then, yeah, like the reason I had to change homes was because my roommate, um, still wanted to party. And I, I gave her, I gave her the opportunity and just said like, 
if you want, like, if you want this journey still, that's your journey. I'm not judging, but just so you know that if this is continuous then I'm, I need to find somewhere else to live. And she just wasn't ready to join me. So that's fine. And so, but you know, I had to live in that environment for a bit and it was like, well, I found a new place. So that was a challenge just in the sense of like the energetic differences that we had, right? Like she never did it in front of me, but I could tell when she was on it or like, I could tell when the next day if she was strung out. Right. So it was just like, um, it was, there was that, but I did have friends who were like, yep, yeah, I hear ya. And they would just call me up and we literally just jump in the car and go for an ice cream. And that would be our outing. And like, you know, I was, I also was just very focused on, in, on me. So I spent a lot of time alone, to be honest, like. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to the next question is like, why do you think it's important, especially in that journey that you know yourself? Um, so you have to get to know yourself, right? So um, it is, but that is important because you are, you are with you. of the time, right? Like you are living with yourself. So for you to to love yourself and honor yourself and know yourself is the most important because then you'll be able to know what you can ask from your friends and your family and the universe, right? Um, And set those healthy boundaries and, and, and know what, what you want out of your life and the people who are, you're going to bring, bring into your life. Right. Yeah, it's true. You attract who you are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I strongly am into the the law of attraction. So, yeah. (laughs) Hey, Taiken, I wanted to share something super cool with you. If you've been wondering about trying out Pilates and intermittent fasting, I have the course for you. Have you heard of the Fasted and Fit Over 50 Jumpstart? I created this non-intimidating course for women over 50 and 60 that want to start feeling stronger, healthier, without another diet or exercise program that doesn't fit their lifestyle or health goals. The Fasted and Fit Over 50 Jumpstart is a 14-video self-paced course. This is for you if you are new to Pilates and have never tried intermittent fasting, but you're curious if it's for you. No equipment is needed or any food to buy. Why not jumpstart your health and strength today? Go to HeikeYeats.com and get started. Now, I want to dip into your entrepreneurship. You, in 2011, you opened Sophie's Dognasium. That was Uh your first entrepreneur step. Lead us to from Sophie's to where you are now, because you've become very successful in what you do. And I want to share that too, as part of your story. Yeah. So yeah, when I was younger, I opened Sophie's Dognasium and that was cool and like wild and super fun. Um, And then after that, I went back to school and did like a business on, or sorry, an event management course. And then from that, um, I actually went back to serving as I was like trying to decide what to do next. And then I met someone and she brought me into the promotional branding world. And, um, 
I was like, I wasn't sure about it because it was this office job. And I'm just like, that doesn't sound like that's for me, like being at a desk from nine to five, like, I don't know. But then she was like, you know, once you build your clients, like you'll have more freedom. And I was like, Ooh, freedom. I like that word. Right. So I stuck with it and I like continued to grow. And then like me and her had left and opened our, our own company together for a bit. Like, well, it's her company and I helped build it, I should say. And then I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like I want more freedom. I feel like I could, I could step away from like the office in, in general and like work from home or like go on these mini trips. And so, while we were still partnered up. I did start leaving and going to Costa Rica, like just doing, I set it up so I could do everything online and leave for a couple months. So I did that for a couple of years. And then when COVID hit, things sort of shifted for everyone. So I decided to do go independent. Um, I did team up with, um, a decorator that, uh, like who was also a friend, but now I have Mandy Alexis marketing, which I've like fully created where I can be away. Right. So before I kept on having to go back and like check in and all this kind of stuff. And I will like, I mean, as, as, as upsetting and challenging and, and, um, hard, uh, COVID was like, it did give me the opportunity to, and my clients to see that we could, we don't need to be in the same place. Like, you know, like, and so, you know, I, I'm very disciplined and very organized. I have been, I have been taking master classes and I, I'm, I'm constantly learning and, and trying new ways to be better at, at entrepreneurship, life, everything. Right. And so now I've created this business online where it allows me to basically be wherever I want in the world. So, um, I'm in Nicaragua right now. I was in Costa Rica before this. Um, and then being here, I actually was offered an opportunity to help run um, a resort. So I live on a resort for free um, while I'm still able to do my business. And so while I'm hanging out here, I'm living on a resort. Um, I've manifested this beautiful life for myself here. So I'll do this for however many... I'm definitely not going back to Canada while it's winter. So... <laughs> Um, so I'll definitely be here for at least another six, seven months. Um, just enjoying living. Like I'm super close to the beach and yeah, like I just, I really, I'm proud of, um, the healing that I did that has allowed for me to become a better co-creator with the universe and, and get the things that I truly desire. Right. Like, and it all started from the healing. And then, yes, so now I've created this, this lifestyle for myself that works for me. Like freedom to me is like so important. And, if, and that means that I can come and go as I please to, to countries and places. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. What about the company? I found this just the other day. Just be epic. Is that so? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just be epic is like my tagline. So I, I also have... um. Mandy Alexis motivation. And what that is, is I have taken beautiful photos, mainly in Costa Rica, and I've created um, motivational art. So each photo will have um, um, like an inspirational saying or a motivational saying that like matches the photo. And then I've created an online store where you can purchase them as canvases you can buy uh water bottle mugs uh throw pillows journals like all with this beautiful art that i have like so pictures are mine words are mine so the just be epic is just like my my tagline so just in general right so yeah so that's 
um, I, I, I use that in my marketing and in my, in my motivational. So yeah, I have that, um, going for me as well. So mm-hmm. that is great. I love that. I like, this is so much goodness coming out of a pretty messy time of your life and mm-hmm. feeling healthy and strong and living on a resort. Oh, who doesn't want to do that and do a little bit of work, but get a beautiful place to live. I think that's awesome. That's I'm so proud of you. And I know that you're proud of yourself for what you've accomplished emotionally, physically, and in your business. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm very proud of myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to achieve by sharing your story, Mandy? I want people to know that no matter how long they've been one way, they can change. So it doesn't mean an addiction. It could mean that stuck in a job, in a relationship, in a mindset, right? We are so powerful that we, we can change whatever it is that we want to change it, that isn't aligned with how we truly want to feel or truly want to be living. We can do it. And it just takes small steps. It will not happen overnight. Trust me. I've been working on myself for years. I'm still not done. I don't think I'll ever be done, but I want people to know that it is possible. And they just, the first thing they need to do is just believe in themselves and, and just, and just do the work. Right. And I also want to just note that for, for people who are looking for ways to start their journey, like, um, we have so much free resources to be able to dabble and figure out what it is, modalities that work for them. Um, I actually highly recommend Joe Dispenza, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He, he talks about the conditioning of the mind and how to rewire your thinking. And I feel that like, that's where it all starts, right? Like what are, what stories are we telling ourselves? What programming do we have? Um, and if we can understand that we can change that and then, and, and then have the tool to change that, it makes, it makes uh, the, the, the big difference, right? So starting with the mindset of knowing that, that we can change how to change and then doing, doing the deep healing, like, you know, like one, one step at a time, one step at a time. <laughs> Very true. Can't do it all in one, all in one haul. It takes time. No. And it's also as you peel back those layers like an onion, you may discover things that you didn't know about yourself. And yeah, healing like, happens in layers. You said it perfectly, like an onion. It happens in layers. So yeah. And you like I just need want people to know that they they can feel lighter and happier and freer. Like I I was so heavy and I was so stuck. And like, even though I was, I was happy, like I, like, you know, like I was having good times and like, whatever, but when I, how I feel now, I was, it's just like, it's night and day, even though if someone were to look at Mandy, then they would still be like, Oh yeah, Mandy was happy. Mandy was having fun and sure all those things, but I wasn't dealing with any of my childhood traumas or any of the, the, the shit that was piling on throughout the years. Right. And if we don't deal with the stuff, where does it go? It doesn't go anywhere. It stays. So then imagine just pile on, pile on, pile on, on. but you know, piece by piece, you can let that go and just feel lighter and freer and have more connection with yourself and others. Yeah. So true. So Mandy, how can people reach and connect with you? 
So yeah, they can reach me through either Facebook or Instagram. So it's just at Mandy Alexis Motivation. And I'm happy to have conversations or chat. If they want to check out the motivational um, pieces, it's uh, MandyAlexisMotivation.ca. So great. So I hope, guys, that you enjoyed my conversation today with Mandy and learned something, something to think about, something that may be helpful that you can share an episode with somebody else who may need that help or may need to have that conversation with somebody that they love that Mandy and I had and Mandy was dealing with. So please reach out to us on social media. Don't just listen to the episode and say nothing and say, whoa, these two women are awesome and we love Mandy. We want to hear from you. So reach out to us once the episode airs. Uh, I'll, Mandy will tag you and I will tag everybody on social media. You can find me at HeikeGates.com. Also on all social media, HeikeGates or HeikeGates Pursue Your Spark. So with that, I hope to hear from you. I want to say thank you to Mandy. It was so amazing to share a story that is not easily shared. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the platform to uh, hopefully inspire others. Thank you. So with that, we're out of here. Ciao. <laughs> thank you for joining me in today's special interview where you learned so much about drug addiction, cocaine addiction, that hopefully will help somebody that you know or help educate you more about drug use and its consequences with my special guest, Mandy Alexis. If you'd like to learn more about Mandy, you can find the links in our show notes and we provide those in our show note captions. If you're learning from our podcast and enjoying our podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's a zero cost way to support the show. In addition, please subscribe to the Pursue Your Spark podcast on Apple and Spotify and give the show an up to five star review. If you have any questions or comments or topics or guests you'd like me to cover on the Pursue Your Spark podcast, please put them in the comment section on YouTube. I read all the comments and I respond there. If you're not already following me on social media, we are at Heike Yates on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok. And I should mention that on those platforms that I mentioned, I cover Pilates, strength, and intermittent fasting topics for empty nester moms over 50 and 60 and beyond, which overlap with the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Get on the list from my weekly newsletter by grabbing one of my free guides for the empty nester mom over 50 to reclaim your health by going to HeikeYates.com. So thank you for joining me in today's episode and special interview with my guest, Mandy Alexis. And I'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Ciao. Did you know that Pilates and intermittent fasting combined are the most effective way to lose body fat and supercharge your energy, especially for an empty nester mom that are over 50, 60 and beyond without another diet or spending hours working out? Let me show you how to recapture your health as an empty nester mom over 50 so that you can enjoy an active lifestyle without feeling left behind or stuck in old habits that no longer serve you. 
Check out the Emptiness Reboot program where I share my secrets on how to reclaim your health, reignite your strength and redefine what your second half of life looks and feels like.